That woman in my old room, he killed her. He thought it was me. Welcome to Scream 101. I'm Shannon Trelockian. I'm Brennan Klein. And this is our episode focusing on visiting hours, which we we uh, announced to you last week because that's part of our new clue system. Um, even though this is our third third episode involving the new clue, clue system, so it'll very soon become our our uh, ancient clue system. Oh my god. You cannot talk about this clue system to save your life. I'm trying at least, okay? <laughs> anyway. No, that's why I'm letting you do it because I can't do it either. <laughs> anyway, okay. visiting hours, 1982. But let's start with our 10-word reviews. Brennan, go ahead. Okay. Well, I have some alternate alternative 10-word reviews this time. Um, I read the novel Silence of the Lambs, so here's my review. Stunning prose, one of my new favorite horror novels. I also watched the first season of Scream, the MTV series. Goofy teen soap fun. Sucks they forgot to be funny. And I also watched the movie Hannibal. Julianne Moore as Ginger Clarice. Hannibal on a carousel. Why? How many horror novels have you read? Many. That's so weird. I wouldn't even consider picking up one. Okay. My 10-word Well, that's review. why you're on this podcast. Maybe we'll do a book episode. Oh, God. Okay. In years from now. <laughs> um, my 10-word review is for one thing. It's complicated. Is older adults have sex. Oh, my God. What a surprise. On to our discussion. Woo! <laughs> okay. So, as always, our discussion has spoilers. We're talking about the 1982 Canadian slasher Visiting Hours, and here is the plot. Deborah Balin is a controversial TV journalist who is campaigning on behalf of a battered woman who murdered her abusive husband. But her outspoken views championing women's rights incense one of the studio's cleaning staff, closet homicidal psycho and misogynist Colt Hawker. So much so that he decides to shut her up. Permanently. After a botched attack sends her to County General Hospital, he pursues her, killing any staff or patients who get in his way. Wait, that was what the movie was about? Because I definitely didn't catch, like, half of that, I think. What, that he worked at the TV studio? Yeah, that he worked at the TV studio. Well, he's, like, riding the Zamboni around? Because they use Zambonis to clean everything in Canada? (laughs) He was, like, waxing (laughs) the floor with the Zamboni. Well, no, I understood, but I thought he just, like... Was was a master of disguise. Like he just like did odd jobs and was able to like weave in and out of these odd roles. Well, I mean, basically, this was a prequel to Master of Disguise with Dana Carvey, right? Um, because he did do all those things, but he worked at the TV studio. He stole surgical scrubs from the laundry room, and he was an imposter surgeon, and that's how he got into the hospital. He didn't actually work there, right? No, I understood that he didn't work it. Okay, I guess I just didn't get that connection where like he wasn't just a psycho loony that like saw her on TV. He actually saw her live while he was working there and then pursued her. Yeah, he was like, "I saw you live. Now I want to see you dead." Which, to be honest, is like a moot point because, um, you know, in a lot of these these sort of slashers, like, what was it? I feel like we discussed this when we were talking about Halloween, where some of the best slasher horror, um like villains don't have a 
purpose. Like they're just evil. Like they yeah. don't really need a motive in order to be scary and like pursue. So I was just like, okay, some psycho guy. Got it. Cool. Moving on. But good to know. So I got that connection now, I guess. Ta-da. Yay. Okay, so... We, we do this podcast to educate the masses. Obviously so. So with our scoring system, once again, we're going to go over it. So we score on a five-point Likert scale, going from one to five. Scariest, we rate on, in screams. Campiness, we rate in perms. Gore, we rate in severed limbs. And quality, we rate in unlucky stars. Brennan, what did you rate scariness? I actually rated this film three out of five screams. It's really uncommon for a slasher film that it's actually has a lot of really tense sequences. Um, you care about the characters, you want them to survive, and when they're maybe not going to, it's very stressful. And there's a scene where um, the main lady, Deborah, is in a dumbwaiter and he's cutting the rope and he's about to like send her sailing down the shaft. It's really intense and it's cool. Yeah, I agree. I, I rated it three out of five as well. I think... Um a lot of the movements and I feel like a lot of the scariness um, can be attributed to the casting choices that they made and the the character development of this killer cult um, because of the way that he moves and he acts and he pursues you know mm-hmm. and the fact that he takes pictures of them and it, a lot of his kills are not um, fast they're slow and deliberate which is like really tense and, and really like pulls on your heartstrings um, and on top of it like like you had mentioned like we cared about the characters, so it added to it as well. Yeah. So. And, and there's one scene where he has pressed the buzzer on a hospital room where he's just killed a patient and he's calling the nurse up. But there's two buzzers blinking at the nurse's station. So both nurses go out and you don't know which one is going to end up in his room. And just there's stuff like that where it's just really well constructed. Yeah, and that was very when I was when I saw that scene, I was thinking about um, Signs of the Lambs, like when we were reviewing it last yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, it was like the same situation where like the FBI and Clarice are going to two, two different, different houses, lo- yeah, two different locations, and then you don't know like who is going to be at which door until it's revealed. And same, so it's so cool. Yeah, it was great. That was an awesome scene. Okay, campiness. I rated it three out of five perms because there's so much going on in this movie. It's so much fun. First of all, there's a Zamboni that we talked about and all of his disguises. Um, first of all, he wears probably 20 outfits in this film, and I did not know they made leather wife beaters, so I learned something today. Wife beaters as in as in the, the tank top. Yeah. Okay, first of all, um, the head nurse, her name is Sheila. She's blonde and beautiful, and she goes home, and someone's in the shower, and you assume it's her husband. But because she has kids. And so she like lies on the bed and then this lady wrapped in a towel comes out and you're like, oh, she's a lesbian. But then the lady turns out to be her babysitter. So we just got switcherooed like 900 times and I still, I think she's a lesbian. Yeah, my heart sank when it was revealed that it was just her babysitter. Like I, I thought that was just, it would have been such like a cool addition to the dynamic that was a story to just be like, Oh, of course. Like she's a, a night nurse and and has two children and um, is gay and you know etc. Yeah, they definitely had a very life partner vibe. Maybe it was oh, just yeah. the shorts they were wearing, but <laughs> it was going on. Also, William Shatner is in this movie that is so for great. like ten seconds as the boyfriend of the main lady. Oh, were they dating? Yeah, he was her producer, but also her boyfriend, and so he was having trouble like maintaining both of those relationships. Did we See? watch the same movie? Yeah, like I want. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like in the industry there are a lot of lot of like situations where men take on those roles of like being overprotective because they're in the industry and it's kind of like 
I don't know. I just expected it to just be like a really good producer <laughs> who okay. was like super invested. But that makes sense no, he, too. He wanted a boner, and oh, okay. he was, I think. Anyway, um, one last thing. You know how in every horror movie someone goes into an empty place and then they hear a noise and they're like, ooh, and then a cat jumps out at them? Yeah. Well, in this one, that animal is a parrot. And that <laughs> just changes everything. And yeah. it was very exciting. That's true. So what did you rate it on campiness? Uh, I rated it a two out of five on campiness, but but with reflection, I feel like that score should be a little higher. And the reason being is, okay, first of all, it is the 80s. It's 82. The haircuts are ridiculous. The outfits are ridiculous. Also, another thing that kind of baffles me, like when we are introduced to the, the main villain character, he's attacking Deborah um, in her home, but he's dressed as like a... Oh, yeah, he's... Like, that was so weird. He's, like, naked, and he has, like, 800 clip-on earrings and nose rings just all on his face. Yeah, he looks like a native from, like, a, like a Mayan, like... Yeah. He, I honestly have no idea what was going on there. I can't help you with that one. Yeah, but then he takes it all off, but he has this, like, gold necklace with a bell on it, which is never explained, but also is a really cool element that they add, because, like, every time he's around, like, you can hear it, like going off you know and an angel gets its wings (laughs) something like that um but yeah and all of his outfits like for a guy who like doesn't have very much hair and is obviously a loner he really pulls off these outfits really well i'm i'm actually pretty surprised like he should go on project runway next season yeah honestly he would he would win he'd dominate okay so gore um i was going to rate it a two out of five on gore there was this really amazing shot where um colt himself was trying to get himself into the hospital in order to um attack deborah again for like the third or fourth time now um he's not the most efficient killer in the world it takes him like an entire three-day weekend i think it was labor day weekend yeah i feel like he he like enjoyed it that way though because he just like you know it didn't it was holiday weekend he didn't have to rush anything yeah anyway he put a beer bottle on on um like a countertop and then like slammed his arm into it so there was beer chunks like beer bottle chunks sticking out of his arm and it was bleeding and it was so good. But other than that, there wasn't, like, a lot of gore. There was, there were some good shots, like, hits the chest, hits the body. Um, yeah, just, he's like a switchblade knife. It was pretty yeah. standard. Yeah, exactly. So, it was pretty good, but, you know, two out of five. Yeah, that one sequence is what got me, too. I also rated it two out of five severed limbs. Mm-hmm. L- looking at, that was the one extended shot that we look at, and his flesh is all, like, puckered and bleeding and really disgusting. I was like, this is so cool. And... I believe it's that scene, because this film is on the video nasties list um, that were persecuted in the UK for being like grotesque or too violent or something. I think either that or the violence against women narrative landed on that list, but it's probably that one sequence, because it was so visceral and really cool. Yeah, for some reason, when I was when I was watching the movie, and I was I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I know you did too. We were talking about it, but it had like an like a I got like the same feeling that I got when I saw the burning with you for the first time. You know, right. where it was just like it was so good, and so maybe that was it. Maybe this the whole point of it being a, a video nasty like resonated with me. Without Shannon me does knowing love it. the video nasties. I do. I've only seen like a couple of them though. I have more to show you. Oh yay! Okay, uh, and then quality. I voted it uh, three out of five unlucky stars because I thoroughly enjoyed the film. Would recommend. Would watch it over again. Um, you know, it, it's still a slasher film though, so it's not the highest quality film you could make. Uh, but I, I would totally be down to watch this like for fun with friends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I rated it four out of five unlucky stars because I watched so many slasher films, and this one was had such 
good qualities about it because it didn't only depict violence against women it was about violence against women and the main lady this is where we go into spoiler territory um the main lady has this uh non-violence philosophy where she doesn't promote violence and she's defending this lady who shot her husband who's beating her but she doesn't believe in violence at all she's like the court is what's defending me i don't like violence for self-defense still isn't okay like we need to not live in a violent society but this killer relentlessly pursuing her eventually um because he hates women because he loved his dad and his mom injured his dad and then got killed it was a whole thing because so he his hates father women. was abusive yeah it was awful he's just constantly pursuing her because of the philosophy she espouses on tv and he eventually drives her to a violent act she stabs him and basically guts him in the end he deserved it but the fact that the society we live in is so misogynistic and so anti-women and not helping them defend themselves created this violence inside someone who is so pacifistic and so against that. And I was like, this is such a cool commentary on society. And also, there was a lot of really cool blue lighting and I like colorful lights. So four out of five. Yeah, I, I loved like the kind of like feminist dialogue in this entire movie. I feel like it was so, so cool. Um, and that's part of why I was like so down for like every part of this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and I was so connected with the, the two main characters, you know, it was really cool. And for it being in the eighties, which the eighties are known for being the family decade, you know, like where, where people are watching TV as a family and playing board games, etc. to have, to have the two main characters, one be a single divorced woman, uh, who is educated and possibly and, a lesbian. <laughs> possibly a lesbian and the other uh, the other who um who is single divorced and has two children that she's in custody of like that was that was both very cool and they both have have jobs and are working really hard and it was just really i don't know it was really cool anyway one of our favorite uh, uh sections brennan is coming up champion dialogue so what what was your champion dialogue Okay, so my champion dialogue's from near the beginning when she ends up in the hospital for the first time. She wakes up in a room, the nurse is like, you're in county general, hello, everything's fine, you're alive, welcome. And she looks around and she sees a whole bunch of flowers and this is what the nurse says to her. You've got a lot of friends, or else you know a lot of florists. I don't know, I just, I found it amusing. I don't have a lot to say about this line, but I liked it. So Shannon, what's your favorite champion dialogue? Okay, so my favorite champion dialogue um, actually is part of the first conversation that's had in the entire film we open on deborah doing her thing she's on screen she's uh discussing uh with this lawyer over this huge court case and um she is just just owning him and uh uh that's what happens they have a conversation between the producer who's played by william shatner and this woman we don't exactly know her role but we know that she's working on on the tv show as well Mm. this is what happens second case but when what the hell is she doing so yeah i just really like that that uh dialogue because it just automatically gives you that sense of like yeah like look at her go you Mm -hmm. know and the lady technician defending her yeah it was it just set the entire president for the entire movie of just like we're gonna be we're gonna be in for like a wild ride we're gonna discuss this yeah and to be clear um there are there's a lot of misogyny in this film and some of it is very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like it's not free of the criticisms of the slasher genre about like how they treat women, but it does meet with it at its level. So that's what makes it really interesting. Yeah, totally. Shannon, what was your favorite character? So I'm going to be a cop out because my favorite character is actually a tie. So there's, I have two favorite characters, but considering the fact that you did your 10 word reviews on things that are, that weren't movies, I think I'll, were I'll, fascinating. I'll slide by. 
So my favorite characters were a tie between Sheila and Deborah. So Sheila is the main nurse. Again, uh, we, we called her the poss- possible lesbian who has two children um, and is divorced and is so caring that she actually decides to stay extra hours in her shift just to make sure that Deborah is well looked after. And then Deborah, who is amazing and um, uh, is really dynamic and, and really sticks to her guns um, and is is unafraid of the consequences even after being pursued by this lunatic. So yeah, those are my favorite characters. And Brennan? Yeah, um, since you took all the good ones. Um, no, my favorite character is Connie, who is Sheila's nurse best friend. And she's <laughs> not in the film very much, but she has this journal where she rates all of the men that she has dated. And she's like, this guy gets a six. The dinner was a one, but he was a five. I was like, wow, congratulations. It's still a six. But um, she just has this notebook where she writes down all of her rankings. And I just... I connect with that a lot. Not on the, I don't rate dudes, but I rate movies. And I was like, I get you. I get, you have to sort your world numerically. And it just happens to be people humping you. That's fine. I love it. Yeah, she's, for, for um, all intents and purposes, she was like the Mona of this film. Yes, absolutely. I, that's why I connected with her so much. Because we just talked to Stephanie Hodge, who's the best person in the world. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, Sheila and she have Sheila and she Sheila and Connie have this great dialogue where like as Connie's as Connie leaves the frame, uh, Sheila's just like, "Don't lose that book. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't let that book get in the wrong hands." Which I think is great. Okay, favorite scene. So my favorite scene um, was surprise the opening scene when Deborah's really just like doing her thing and just handing this lawyer guy's ass to him. Just handing it back to him. She's nailing his ass. Nailing it. And just just to a bedpost. It's just, it was just, uh, <laughs> it was, Ooh, doggy. it was bad. It was, it was great though. It really, I mean, when you talk about developing a, a um, bond with a character, especially so early in the film, like that was definitely a way to do it was just to show her being super powerful and being in a prime position and then have her stalked for the rest of the film. Like that yeah. is... That is something else. It was really cool. And my favorite scene is we know that Sheila's daughter has a super annoying doll. When you take the pacifier out of its mouth, it goes like, wah, 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 like it's screaming to death. But she gets a phone call at the hospital and she hears the doll and she knows the killer is in her house with her daughter and her possibly lesbian babysitter. And she's like, oh, no, my life partner and my daughter are going to be taken away from me. And so she runs like, out of the hospital, she tries to grab all the cops that are there guarding the hospital, and they're like, we can't help you, ma'am. And so she, like, just tears off on her own, and just that, like, mother grizzly bear instinct in saving her daughter, and it was a really scary sequence, and it was a really powerful sequence. I just liked it a lot. Now it's time to move on to an- another segment. I say favorite segment about everything, so I feel self-conscious about that, but everybody's favorite segment, the Splatter Dome. And now, a moment of silence for those who have departed us. Francine is killed off-screen. Mrs. Corrigan has her air tube cut. Connie is stabbed in the gut. Vinny is stabbed in the chest. Cop is thrown through a window. Cop number two is killed when the killer grabs his jaw and then it cuts away and I don't know what happened. And finally, Colt is sliced in the abdomen like a fish. All right, Shannon, so what was your favorite kill out of those seven? So my favorite kill was actually um, probably like the least 
gory of the kills. Um, it was a kill when uh, Colt killed Mrs. Corrigan, who he walks into a room expecting it to be um, Deborah. Deborah's room. But really, they had moved all the ICU equipment in there, so someone who needed it uh, had to take her room. And it was Mrs. Corrigan. And instead of him violently, you know, sawing her in half or splitting her open or whatever, he just cuts her air tube and lets her suffocate to death. Yeah, and he takes pictures the whole time. It's so creepy. Yeah, and he's just standing over her and just, like, not just stares at her. I mean, it's, like, really, uh, like, off-putting, like, very unsettling, and it's super cool. You should see Shannon's face right now. She has this twisted grin. It's awesome. I'm glad you are my co-host on this podcast. Uh, my favorite kill was Colt, the killer himself, because he deserved it. And that's all I have to say about that. All right. So all right. of the victims in this movie, who would you resurrect? I would resurrect Vinny. He's just this like really nice guy, Vinny, who he just knew everything about the hospital because he was constantly getting out of his room and like mingling with people and, and getting to know what everyone's illnesses were. And he was just really like in tap, you know, but in an innocent way. Like it wasn't like malicious. It was yeah, just kind of it was like, like the Lonely Heart Surgery Club. Yeah, he was he was just social. And so um, he ended up getting killed by Colt uh, just because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, like a lot of Colt's victims, mm-hmm. um, which is really sad because he was, he was very nice and just was really in touch and, and added a, like a levity to, to being in dire situations, which was cool. And I would resurrect Connie cause I want to know what she would rate Colt. Oh my God. Yes. That'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause there was this whole thing where it was like the silent type and like how hot they are. Cause Colt was getting hit on like yeah fairly constantly he was like a ladies man like uh, this random chick at a diner just sees him and she's like hey i'm gonna leave my friends and go to your apartment alone i'm like this is michael ironside he was the bad guy in scanners like who wants to bang him yeah and he also he looks like he looks terrifying but she also looked like she was 14 which is even weirder and she had the big teased out hair with the side pony with madonna playing in the background yeah I know. In my mind, at least. And with her, with her, with his, actually, his leather um, tank top. It was like, he was like a leather daddy. It was, oh, it was really weird. Moving on. Anyway. Out of the people who survived this film, who would you strike down? Uh, I would kill any of the useless cops because (laughs) they didn't do any, none of them did anything. William Shatner did a better job in this film, and that is saying something. Yeah, like, why did he go with the SWAT team to the killer's house and not stay with his girlfriend? Right. Is my question. I know. I I was hoping that he was, like, gonna get info for, like, producing a new, like, a new segment on it or yeah. something. Like, doing his job, you know? But that's because I don't believe that he's he's her boyfriend. But yeah, it was, like, it was so dumb. And then even when he was, like, when Sheila was, like, there's a killer at my house, the cop was, like, I got orders. Like, I can't. Yeah. I gotta stay here. Like, I don't know what you want from me. And then there was, like, 50 cops. There were so many cops. And none of them did anything, ever. I would kill Sheila's ex-husband, who isn't even in the film, but the men in this film are pretty terrible. And her daughter doesn't... Like, she fakes an illness so she doesn't have to go visit her dad over Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. Which, is that a thing in Canada? I guess. Huh. All right. We'll get back to you on that. (laughs) Um, But... Like, clearly, he's not a nice guy. Like, why would she not want to hang out with her dad? I'm like, something's going on there, so I'm going to kill him, just to be safe. All right, yeah. Although we all know that she left him because she's actually gay for her babysitter. I uh, I would be, too. She was gorgeous. Yeah. All righty, then. On to the games. All right, it's time to bring back a classic game, the Divination Game. Oh, yes. The Divination, the divination Game. game. 
So in the divination game, I give Shannon the future careers of three actors in this film, and she has to guess who they are by their character name, because she has no reason to know the actors in this Canadian slasher movie. Okay, Shannon, are you ready? As I'll ever be. All right. Our first actor went on to star in Top Gun. He played the principal in Prom Night 2, and he was also in Transformers Prime Beast Hunters, Predacon Rising. Which exists. Mm. It was on IMDb. It's real. Okay. I'm going to guess... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess Vinny. Unfortunately, you're incorrect. It was Michael Ironside who played the killer. Okay. He went on to play a principal. Isn't that appropriate? Right? <laughs> okay, so... Oh, shoot. It's the principal of the thing. Okay, so I forgot to tell you at the beginning of this game, but I'm keeping score. Whoever loses this time has to finish the podcast in a Canadian accent. You know you're really bad at informing people that there are consequences to their actions until after their actions have happened? Well, the thing is, I don't think you need to be inspired to play the game to the best of your ability. Like, are you? do you have, like, secret reserves of future knowledge that you're just not using? Why not? Hey, adversity causes some interesting uh, developments, okay? Like right now. All right, let's see. Anyway, okay, our second uh, actress, she went on to... Oh, my God. She went on to star in Mulholland Drive. And we're actually looking back into the past for these next two because she wasn't really in a lot after this movie. But she was in in The Heat of the Night, which was a really influential racial film in the 60s. And she was also in Damien Omen 2, which was a less influential devil film in the 70s. How are these people in, like, well-to-known movies? It's so strange. Okay, um, I'm gonna guess Sheila. Uh, Unfortunately, you're incorrect again. That was Lee Grant who played Deborah. Okay. And our third actress, you are currently at zero out of two, but let's see if we can turn it around. Um, She went on to play Rogue in the X-Men cartoon. She was also in Happy Birthday to Me, which is a slasher you like a lot. And she also played Renee LaRouge in Mary Kate and Ashley in action. Oh my god. Is that the babysitter? Unfortunately, you're incorrect for a third time. That was Lenore Zan who played Lisa who was the uh, the lady that um, was beat up by the killer and then got her revenge on him and oh. told everyone where he lived. Okay. So I'm so sorry to inform you you got zero out of three, but we got a chance to turn it around. We got another game coming up. Are you ready? Sure. Let's do this. Um, this game, we're still working on a name for it, but the working title is Cast the Remake. Wait, how is this going to be scored? Well, we have a swift debate and choose who gets the point. We have to be fair and democratic about this. Oh, okay. We have to take our inspiration from Canada, where they're nice and polite to each other. Oh, good gracious. Okay. Okay, so we both picked a cast member that we would like to see in a remake of this film. And so we're going to do, like, swift debates to see who wins the point. So for the character of Deborah, who would you want to play her in the remake? Am I giving my reasons for why, or are we... Just just... quickly. Okay. So um, my reason for picking this person uh, the person is Robin Wright so one of the main reasons is because you for Deborah you need someone who is tactful who can handle their own and who is able to to be influential and of course what is Robin Wright known for right now but being uh, the president's wife the first lady on House of Cards so you know that she can hold up on that front but also Robin Wright is wonderful and an angel and <laughs> um, yeah I don't know how you could debate anyone over her well my choice was Vera Farmiga who I think would be a really strong choice for the film, but I agree with you that Robin Wright is better, so we'll give you the point. Yay! Also, I love Vera Farmiga. That's a good choice. Thank you. 
Do you want to give me a point? No. Okay. Well, um, the next character that we're going to be recasting is Sheila, the pretty nurse who is friends with Deborah. Okay, so this was a hard one for me, but I picked uh, Lily Rabe. I had Taisa Formiga actually down as my like second choice, but I figured nice. that she was kind of like too young and it didn't seem like she would be old enough or play old enough to have two children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so Lily Rabe, uh, because she, like, like uh, Sheila in the movie, has this really strange ethereal quality to her where she's very beautiful but she also plays her roles very well especially um the role that she plays in american horror story uh um, murder house yes and that's what reminded me kind of of that um in this movie okay um the actress that i would choose to play her is amy adams because i think she's talented and gorgeous and perfect and awesome okay i can see that see her if she was blonde yeah, she could dye her hair for this. It could be her Oscar-winning role. Yeah, she could be. Like, she could pull like a Zoe Deschanel and Elf. Yeah. Mm. So Brennan wins the point. Okay, Brennan. Wins the point. <laughs> so who would you cast as Colt the Killer? Okay, for Colt the Killer, I would cast Peter Skarsgård or Sarsgård. What's his name? Skarsgård. Skarsgård. Peter Skarsgård, because he plays creepy characters in like eight out of ten movies. Specifically, the character that he plays in in Boys Don't Cry and also in An Education, where he is known to be older, a creep, and um, in, in Boys Don't Cry, specifically misogynistic and uh, abusive. So I feel like use all those qualities that he used so well and just apply it to this movie. Okay. Um, I picked Tom Hardy because he played Bane in the Batman movies and I just really love Tom Hardy. I think he's a really good actor and I think he could really play the hell out of that role. But I agree with you that your choice is probably better. Yeah, besides, Tom Hardy is is known for being a wonderful feminist and uh, would probably... Well, then he would want to be in this film because he's very feminist. Yeah, but he would not want to be in that role. He would probably want to be in Shatner's role. He was actually well, up for... That role is garbage, whatever. Yeah, but he was actually what I was thinking about for the role, but he's too pretty for that role. Okay, fine. Whatever. Who would you cast for William Shatner's role? Okay, William Shatner's role, I actually, um, even though this man is also very beautiful, I picked uh, Matthew Gorey because he's um, very recently been on a lot of uh, media about how he is feminist and supporting and talks about uh, dating um, as a feminist. And, and he just is a wonderful human being who is constantly, um, you know, an ally to other to, to women in, in the community. And so I feel like he would just play a really great role where he's just the lapdog for Deborah. It would be great. Wow, you really thought these through. <laughs> um, I picked Seth Rogen just because I think he would be a good replacement for William Shatner. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. You win the point. Yay. Congratulations. Yay. So who would you pick to play Lisa, the character who is um, kind of like the lady of the night Diana girl who goes home with the killer? Okay, so most of my reasoning for this is the fact that they look very similar, but I feel like Annalie Ashford, who... Um, Doesn't exist. Who is she? She is wonderful, and anyone who is any, in any way in musical theater, like in the musical theater uh, industry, would understand. She was the star of Kinky Boots. She played in um, Legally Blonde the Musical, all sorts of stuff. But they look very, very similar, and also uh, she has that young and unabashed quality about her that... Uh, yeah. 
you know, this, would this work could be so her well. crossover into Hollywood. Yeah, she tried on Smash and she played um, in one episode and it didn't work out very well. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, for that character, I would pick Dakota Fanning because she's doing her like all grown up thing right now. Hmm. Like she's in Runaways. I think she'd be a good choice for that. Yeah. Okay. Brennan gets a point. Yeah. Brennan gets a point. So that leaves Brennan with five points and Shannon with three. So you have to finish this podcast with a Canadian accent. Lovely. So just, I'll just say A at the end of it. Yeah, I'll just leave my voice exactly how it is, but say Surrey and a boot and A. Yeah. Um, so Shannon, what's your recommendation for people who agreed with you about this film? Okay, so my recommendation, I already talked about The Burning and I've recommended it before, but um, this recommendation is actually Halloween. And it deals with the fact that uh, Colt has a very specific way about killing. He's very slow and methodical and doesn't speak very much. And that's the same with Halloween, where Michael Myers is very slow and methodical, and you don't always know his reasoning for things, and he never speaks. So it, it's kind of like a similar thing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And yours, what, what's your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation is Cold Prey 2, which is another slasher that takes place in a hospital. It's a Norwegian film that, well, you know what? Norway is just really killing it right now. Like, all uh, of Norwegia, really. It. Norwegia? Oh yeah. That Norwegia? Was, a, was a joke. Okay. I was really concerned that that was real for a I minute. Know, I know some things. Okay. So, but um, Norway, what they did over the past 30 years is they just watched every movie that came out in America, and they're like, you know what? We can do that, but better. And Cold Prey was awesome. Cold Prey 2 was extra awesome. Like, they're doing such a good job, and you should check out both of those movies. They're really cool. Awesome. All right, so what is the clue for next week? Okay, well, first of all, we're going to reveal the answer to last week's clue, which is that next week we will be watching the notorious cult film Troll 2, which we actually talked about on the episode with Cassidy. You were kind of jealous that I watched it with her, so we get to rub it in her face, I guess. Something like that. And this film, Troll 2, is also on Netflix, so you have no excuse not to watch it by next week. Um, and the clue for our two weeks from now episode is the following. Our October Horror Classics Marathon will continue, but on our way, we may have to stop for gas at W.E. Slaughter's. I hear they have good barbecue. And if you have any um, guesses to that clue, if you have any comments, questions, or champion dialogues from Troll 2, and there's a lot of champion dialogues from Troll 2, you can find us on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can send us an email at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. I can't do that. You did it. And we're also on iTunes. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars for Troll 2. Excellent. And finally, um, our credits. Scream 101 is a podcast that is created and produced by myself, Shannon Trelockian, and my lovely best friend, Brennan Klein. We also have wonderful sound engineering help from our sound engineer, Lucas Cathy. He is wonderful and wonderfully wonderful and wonderful. <laughs> it's getting late. Oh, yes. And we'll be playing you out with I've Never Been to Me by Charlene, which was number three on the charts the weekend visiting hours came out. Hey lady, you lady, cursing at your life You're a discontented mother and a regimented wife I've no doubt you dream about the things you'll never do But I wish someone had to talk to me like I want to talk to you 
Bye.